Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the EFL Fantasy Podcast Does Super League. Um, I'm still workshopping a, a catchier name for it than that, but that's what I've got at the moment. Um, obviously, my name is Angus. I'm joined today by James Johnson. James, how are you? Yeah, evening, mate. Yeah, I'm well. Uh, looking forward to discussing some football with you this evening. Yes, it's uh, we've only had one sort of discussing sort of before it it started. Where now, obviously, we've got some action to actually talk about. Yeah, I think it's been an interesting couple of weeks. I think there's already some talking points that uh, I didn't think we'd be talking about this early, or some things that have come up that I didn't think we'd be talking about at all. So, um, yeah, it's been an interesting three weeks in Super League. Yeah. So. Um... With a particular focus on this week, um, how how has your well how has your season gone so far? So um, I know we discussed it before the start of the season, but uh, I kind of stuck to my strategy that I said. So I went it all in for uh, game week one and got the worst score I've got out of the three weeks. That shows how <laughs> good good a plan that was. Um, so uh, seventy seven points in the first week, not the best. Overhauled then into game week two into a score of one hundred and sixteen, which is a game rank uh, game week rank of sixteen, which I was very happy with. And then this week, just used my one free transfer and ended this week on 111 points so i think i'm on 304 points overall which is an overall rank of 30, uh, 33 so um yeah only the overhaul used haven't obviously used one of the boosts where i'm getting massive scores so quite happy with where i am at the moment yeah definitely a positive start i think um Quite a few people, I think, ended up on the overhaul game week two. I think some of it, some people used it as part of a sort of budget buster in game week one and overhaul in game week yeah. two. Um, I was tempted, but I didn't in the end. Um, it's gone. It started quite well for me, um, as as people have pointed out. So um, just to sort of recap, because obviously we we only did the game week one review. I had ninety eight points that week. Um game week two I took a minus four. I got hundred and twenty two minus four. It's hundred and eighteen net. Um and then this past week ninety eight points. Um after the scores were updated this morning because one of the results was wrong, I went down from twenty fifth to twenty sixth. Um I was quite enjoying sitting on the first page and now I've sort of dropped off. Um uh, but obviously I'm very happy with where I am, particularly because I haven't used any boosts yet in yeah. the first three weeks. So um certainly can't complain uh with where I'm at. Um couple of sort of, you know, questions with my team now, particularly as we look ahead to game week six, which I know comes up in the in the questions later. Um because at one point I sold or game week two I sold Antoine Griezmann, which um I had quite a few La Liga players, which obviously sort of reduced the numbers there. So working out how to get it back. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously very happy with my start at the moment. Um, so as we did, uh, well, the one previous time we've sort of done a game week review, uh, we're gonna, we've got three sort of key takeaways from the game week each. Uh, we're going to discuss those. And then we're going to discuss the, the questions that, uh, that you guys have sent in. Um, so uh, I'll come to you first, James. What was the, your first key takeaway from from game week, from this game week? 
yeah, I think um, the first thing I want to discuss is mainly about this week, but also watching them last week was actually Bayern Munich. And um, obviously the way it fell with not having a game in game week one, people that haven't used an overhaul like yourselves or didn't start with them. Um, I feel like the Bayern assets are quite lowly owned still. And I think it's not going to be long before we're going to be looking at trying to get one, two, even three of their assets um, into your squad. I mean, uh, my overhaul in game week two, I bought in Harry Kane straight away. Um, and he's obviously returned nicely for me. But I think they've really impressed me in the last two weeks. Obviously, before the start of the season, there was that little bit of doubt when they lost the Super Cup to Leipzig. And we thought, oh, is this going to be the same Bayern that we've seen in previous years but in the opening two games they've scored seven and only conceded one I think is a really positive start for them and as I said Harry Kane's been the standout I I wasn't in much doubt that he was going to do well there anyway but um, I think he almost has half of the XG that they've created over the last two games so um, yeah I was just looking at some of their options I mean I've already discussed Kane and I think his ownership's 13% 13% which is really low which I think is really low and I think it's only going to rise um, Sane I think is another good option in that midfield especially with um, the uncertainty around Musiala I haven't seen anything more on his injury news prognosis time out so I guess that's a wait and see and means there's one less place for that competition behind Kane um, and the last one I picked out was Alfonso Davies because between the three of those that have named their Kane, Sane and Davies, they've been involved in every single goal that Bayern have produced this season, bar the one own goal this week. So six out of the seven uh, goals that Bayern have scored this season have either been assisted or scored by one of those three. So um, I think from an attacking point of view, even though I've named a defender there in Davies, I think going forward, their run from, I think it's about game week eight, right through to 14. I think they've got about six good weeks of fixtures, bar Dortmund, um, that I think buying assets might come quite quickly around to people wanting to grab more in there. I think, have you got just Davies? I think I saw in your team. Yeah, so just Davies. He was the one I, one of the ones I sort of carried on my bench in game week one, right. uh, knowing that he was going to play. He's done sort of very nicely for me, particularly uh, having him in my team in game week two, um, mm. where I think he had two assists and he swept up the bonus because he had eight key passes in that game. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you know, the, this is the sort of thing that you can get from some of these players. I think, like you say, particularly in that Bayern team, the way they've started the season, um, yeah. there's there's going to be returns to be had. But yeah, um, I have sort of looked at Harry Kane. Obviously, there's a there's a focus towards the double, but Kane is someone that I'm sort of like. Should I just get him in? <laughs> yeah, I think we were discussing this just before we started. I feel like I bought Kane in from week two in his return, but I've done that at the expense of not having another premium striker that I'll probably get onto it a bit. And it's a bit like that risk and reward where it's paid off the last two weeks. But do I think it's going to continue to pay off? I'm a little bit uncertain so um and I, I think it's really hard for people now especially people in my position that have used the overhaul to try and get two premium strikers in I think you're really having to cut some things out of your team that you probably don't want to lose so I think getting that pick of the premium striker and as I said at the moment it's came for me but going forward I think is going to be 
quite important. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. And I think, you know, the Bayern are one of those teams that I think, as you say, people will be looking to to move towards. Um, another team that I think, uh, just to move on to, I guess my first ta- key takeaway um, is related to a particular player as well, but it's uh, uh, Vinicius uh, at Real Madrid, who obviously went off injured in the first half against um, Celta. Um, Real Madrid did end up winning that game. Um, it was Jude Bellingham again after Rodrigo had won and missed a penalty. So that was that was probably a weird sort of s- sensation for Rodrigo owners. But um, I will say I was amazed Real Madrid, a club at that level, like with medical staff at that level, Vinicius got a hamstring injury and they tried to strap it up and have him carry on. It was just the most ridiculous thing. Is that because they've only got Hoslu on the bench to cover, do you think? It's just <laughs> like, do we, please don't let him come on, like anything, but like literally Vinicius on one leg might still work better. Yeah. And uh, it was interesting, actually, because they brought, they did bring Hoslu on um, after a couple of minutes where I think Vinicius tried a couple of jogs and then just sat on the floor. He was like, nope. This isn't going to happen. <laughs> um, and it had a slight impact on Bellingham, but not as much as you might have thought, um, because I think it sort of, you know, he drifted more into sort of the, the left-hand spaces at times, um, and Rodrigo was still drifting towards the right. So it's potentially the case that actually it won't necessarily affect their system that much because they were essentially playing with a front two with Bellingham behind anyway. Um, as sort of a, more of a false nine slash ten, he might play as more of a an orthodox ten or towards the left. But um, I don't think it has a massive effect. I think probably the most likely one to come in is still Hosselu, but it wouldn't surprise me if they tried something else. Um, whether that was Fede Valverde slightly higher up the pitch, or um, even someone like Brahim Diaz coming into the team. Um, I, it's not sort of, you know, not to pick on Hosselu, but I think there's there's an element to which I think they might try well, and keep that system going because I think it works with that greater mobility, which obviously yeah. Hosselu doesn't give them. Yeah, well, Hosselu came into my thoughts immediately. I thought there's a budget option straight in. Straight, you know, if, if the Vinicius Junior is injury is more than a couple of weeks, does Hosselu almost become an option? Because he's still playing up front for Real Madrid. They're still yeah. going to create chances for him. It's I, I'm not quite sure on his price in this, but I can't imagine he's, he's uh, seven. Is he seven? I'm just going to have a scroll. He is indeed seven. So does, it's a it's a way to free up some cash if you've got three strikers up front that are all in that upper price ranges. But I guess it depends on how long Vinicius is out for. And as you said, it might be a watch and see what happens this week with the game to see if they actually do trust him to come in or do they tweak the system, as you said. I would like to see Brahim Diaz be given a chance. I think he he was really good at Milan last year and I think he's a good talent, but does it fit the system quite what they want to do? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I think they've got the one game, I think, before the international break. I think I saw the initial reports on uh, Vinny were four to six weeks. So obviously we can sort of see how it goes this weekend. And then there's a decent chance that Vinny's still out for a couple of weeks after the international break, even just a short-term measure. Um, Mm -hmm. Someone like Hosselu might be on the table at that point. Um, But I think, yeah, 
it's it's like it's most likely that he comes in, but it was also just to say I don't think it diminishes Bellingham that much, and there are a couple of other things they could do. So, um, yes. almost a slight caution to people not to just jump in on um, Hossel and <coughs> assuming it's him. Um, like you say, I would like to see them put Bracken Diaz on the t- in the team. I think it's possibly the most. Not saying he's as good as Vinny because Vinny's, you know, one of the best players, sort of possibly in the world, based on this form over yeah. the last year or so. Um, you don't, you don't sort of replace that like for like, but in terms of what they were doing in the system, he's probably the closest replacement. Um, yeah. So yeah, so it's just sort of, you know, they they struggled a little bit in that game. Although I do think playing against a Rafa Benitez team, you're going to struggle at times to sort of you yeah. know, get through them. Um, that's but, the impression I got. Yeah. For, I didn't watch the game, but I saw the highlights, and I, and I said, "Yeah, this looked like hard work." Yeah. I thought it, the highlights I saw. Yeah, I thought, yeah, that's it's probably it's probably one of those that you come away with the result and go, "Yeah, it's a job well done." Don't worry about what the scoreline was for them. There's going to be easier games for them this year, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, Bellingham's still a great option, obviously, and um, I still like Rodrigo, particularly if people are looking to move from Vinny but want. You know, if if they had Vinny and Bellingham, for example, I don't think it's the worst idea to just move Vinny to Real right. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that was it for me on on Real Madrid. Uh, what was your sort of second takeaway? Um, my second takeaway is kind of linked into my first one. I was talking about Harry Kane, but it's this idea of the premium strikers and more, as I kind of alluded to, Haaland and kind of I was looking at his ownership numbers and it's and I think even last week it was even higher that it was touching 80, 85%. And now it's still at 76, 77%. But um, I, I think, I don't know if this is, me coming into this before we start the season, but I think I wouldn't have been the only one that would have gone Harlem perma captain. Thank you. Don't need to worry about that. And um, just this idea that maybe there isn't a perma captain, or is there a better perma captain in this? mode than Haaland I mean when he, he obviously he's the more expensive than the kind of the band down I, I was looking at was Mbappe Lewandowski and Kane um, is there is there a way to you know mitigate away from Haaland and not have him all the time or do you think it's still one that um, you need Haaland because it's Haaland and you're gonna have you need to realise that you're gonna have to let these Mbappe, Kane, Lewandowski when he finds some form points go. It's just that what I wanted to discuss was when Mbappe's only at eleven percent ownership and Haaland's at seventy six and a half, is it possible to swing against him? So I think so. because um, I've sort of been thinking about this idea of um you know, potentially selling Haaland, you know, funds are sort of kind of maxed out. And I'm like, okay, how do I sort of move them around my team a little bit just to get that extra flexibility? And one of the ideas for me was was selling Haaland, particularly because I'm looking to obviously maximise game week six in terms of the double coverage. And it was sort of like, well, you know, freeing up the funds for some of these players, perhaps the the option is getting the money from Haaland, even if it's one of the single game week players from game week six, then having that player. 
I also think I was thinking about because obviously, like you say, it's been the thought process for a lot of people. I was thinking about his almost lack of involvement the rest of the time. And that doesn't matter sort of in other fantasy formats, particularly when you get into things like FPL. But I think in Super League, where there's so much waiting in the bonus to other involvement, that actually some of these other forwards you've mentioned, particularly Kane and Mbappe, can cover, like, you know, Haaland can score two goals and he's, he might not get any bonus, particularly in that Man City team, where yeah. Kane or Mbappe could score, like, one goal and cover the, the second Haaland goal, basically, with bonus. And then, you know, they might even get more returns, but they're far more likely to to basically almost get that extra attacking return in terms of the bonus compared to Haaland. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this was, that was my thinking is kind of in this with the performance bonus as well, are almost Mbappe and Kane more of a talisman for their teams than Haaland? I feel like the points would come, could come from more places in that Man City kind of midfield and attacking spaces, especially with, Alvarez with this De Bruyne injury, whereas I think now Mbappe's been reintegrated, that's almost a certain now, and with Kane as well, as you said, is the performance bonus that they're more likely to pick up worth the, you know, the the decision to go with them compared to Harlem? Because as I said, I've had Kane weeks two and three, and against what would have been a Harlem captaincy that's come off the right side for me. But do you think that that continues or do you think it's one of those that people have just, you think it's best just to choose one and you've got to stick stick to it and go, you've made your decision? Because I think, as I said before, I think it's almost impossible to get these two in, let's say, to go a, a Haaland and a Kane. So do you think it's just stick, choose one and just take the rough and the rough and the smooth with it? I think so. I think you've also got to pick your moments. Like, you know, people who are on Haaland now, you're not going to sell this week ahead of playing Fulham at home. But then maybe you look at, you know, slightly further down the line and it's like, well, do I, you know, can I cover this off or is this really as good as it might be, you know, even the next week where he's away at West Ham? Like, I know he's done well against West Ham before, but you sort of think, well, can I go to, you know, these these other players and maybe cover it off? And some people just won't do it and that's fair enough and they'll just be like I'm not going against it I think there is a potential opportunity as you say and I think it's you don't necessarily have to stick with one of them all the way through but I think you can sort of pick your moments where it's sort of like oh I've had sort of you know Haaland through this period then I've got a period where where I want to go for Mbappe and then I might move it on to to Kane for example Um, I think it's it's looking at it that way where you can pick one and stick with them, like they're all going to do well, but there might be sort of those shifting between them as well. So I think it's 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 opening up a little bit, I think, in terms of um, not just looking at one and being like, I have to have this one. So would your intention as a Haaland owner to be, obviously, I presume you're not looking to sell this week, as you said, would it be in five in preparation for six with what you're looking to do with the boost? Or do you think you'll run it two six and then use that funds in that week yeah so i've i've sort of you know i'm of two minds in that i think it would help if you know kane had a better game in five or if where he plays against Bayer leverkusen or mbappe has sort of a tougher game in six 
where he plays uh, Marseille, um, who obviously have been had a bit of an iffy start. But the other thing that I always consider with these is the bonus is shared out more when two teams are playing um, against each other from this format, yes, where obviously of the rest yeah, yeah. of the time they're just sort of competing against their teammates for bonus. So that's the other sort of consideration of course, yeah. that one about the entry points but i haven't ruled out sort of using harland in five to get to you know say uh Kvaric gelia in preparation for six so um it, it's I've just said, a consideration I, i've just said that harland's game of six is not a good forest though yeah so even if you yeah. have the six Serie A players on a boost, if that's what you want to do, you might outscore all of them in one game. Yeah. Um, and then it's Wolves afterwards. So, yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah. a big risk. Well, yeah, I, at that point, I might not have had him for four weeks. So <laughs> that might, yeah. But I, think, okay. I think even even you sort of look at the past week, like, you know, oh, yeah, going with Haaland against Sheffield United, that's great and everything. And you look at the fixtures for the likes of, you know, Mbappe and Kane and everything, it's like, yeah, but they could obviously hurt me as well. I think it's that sort of, you know, you you know that there's a decent chance, particularly with those three. Lewandowski's a little bit more iffy at the moment, but with those three, yeah. odds are that they're, they're probably going to do pr- pretty well, all of them. So it's sort of like not necessarily worrying about, oh, well, you know, marginal sort of in a given week. Oh, well, you know, Kane scored 14 hu- Mbappe scored 16. I've lost out there. Well, kind of, but it's sort of, you know. Yeah. Um, no, no. But yeah, so, I, think, yeah. I, think, I think the point you made about the game week five fixtures is interesting as well because I, I don't think there is a standout fixture in five for me. I think the the best one might be Napoli, but yeah. in, in week five, it, it does. So does it almost become a case that if you're not going to captain Harland in five anyway, do you look to. Is there any point of him being there four or five? So, yeah, it's an interesting point. Yeah, so that that's sort of the consideration for me. But um, I do think it's interesting. And I, I don't, as we've sort of covered there, I don't think there's sort of a right answer to it either. It's sort of just how, how people, how comfortable people feel sort of going against it and um, whether they sort of particularly like, you know, Kane or Mbappe more. Um, you know, Lewandowski might get going at some point, and then you've got even more of a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so we'll we'll move on uh, to to my next point. Um, I mentioned it in the sort of thread of our takeaways that I put out last week, but um, I just wanted to cover them again, particularly in sort of the podcast form. But it was um, Inter's wingbacks uh, doing the job again. Um, I think in terms of the the players that people own. Um, you had an attacking return for the two strikers and the two wingbacks. Um, but they're, they're just so good and so sort of pivotal to what the what Inter do um, in attack. You know, the number of times you see sort of even you, you look up and the furthest player forward is like Denzel Dumfries or, you know, the number of times that a pass is, you know, chances being set up by DeMarco. Um, Dumfries, he was he was forward a lot in this game, but he didn't necessarily have a lot of attacking involvement other than scoring the goal. Um, I think he only had two shots in the game. Um, but the 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 one that we've talked about as possibly being the better option before, who I was really impressed by, was Demarco. Um, mm-hmm. He obviously got the assist for the second goal uh, for the second week in a row. He had four key passes. Um, 
game week two he had four shots this week he had no shots but he's so involved for them um and i just think you know that's the sort of thing i'm looking at with defenders in this game is the ones that are going to get returns but are going to be in the bonus and that's where you know with them both being involved in the in the attack so much whether that's you know attacking returns or you know the potential for bonus because you know whether it's shots, whether it's key passes, when you're that sort of involved in the attack, it's it's much easier to come by. And I just think, yes, they're going to come off early. Um, it happened again. They they didn't get the second half clean sheet again coming off. They both came off again. I think the first game it was 67 minutes. I think this one it was 71 minutes. Um, but they're both getting more. They're getting enough bonus to to sort of cancel that out a bit in your mind. So like they both went off early, uh, missing out on those points and still got double digits. Um, so I think, yeah. you know, it's just, just another plug for them in terms of just how good they are, particularly ahead of sort of people looking ahead to the double. Um, the- yeah. I think, I think them two were the, the two I decided to go without on overhaul with the, the intention of being that I was, I, I went straight in on my overhaul with four Syria to give me this one space left for looking towards the double. To, and in my mind, it was always clear unless something else came out that it would be between those two for the double, who would be the last one I would pick up to give me that full complement of Syria. And I still can't decide. So um, I think it's going to be one of those. that's going to be a lucky dip on that week that I'll just choose one. Yeah. I I don't know how that double affects them with their minutes is the only thing that yeah. worries me a little, but I think it's a risk worth taking, especially, I, I mean, I would ideally like to get to both and that has crossed my mind, but yeah, I think it'll be one or the other for me. Yeah, I think it's interesting. It sort of feeds into a slightly, I guess, wider point about even just the Serie A sort of defenders where you've got, I think you've got four of them. Um, I know it'll come up in a question later, I think, but with those two, Teo Hernandez and uh, Di Lorenzo at Napoli as well, where, um, you know, they're they're all sort of really putting their hands up, but, um, and and I think it's going to be an interesting sort of decision. I've been looking at it and I'm like, but how do I get rid of these players? And uh, yeah. I think it. I think I'm still. I'm still very tempted to go with one of the Inter guys. Um, which one? Like you say, I think it's a. It's a bit of a. Uh, a bit of a decision to make, but. Um, I think I think they're both really putting their hands up at the moment. Definitely. Um. So, uh, we've got. I think your third point now, James. Yeah, the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about is some of the surprising kind of like assets, some of the things that have come out in the first three weeks that we probably wouldn't have discussed or wouldn't have been high on the agenda when we talked before the start of the season. So the first person I picked out is Julian Alvarez. And I think this kind of links into my point before with Haaland is if I'm if me, myself, or others are not going with Haaland, you're looking to move on from Haaland, is it possible to cover some of that or mitigate some of that risk with Alvarez? Because he's less than 1% owned in this game, which I guess is not surprising if we fought back to the beginning of the season before De Bruyne's injury. We probably thought, yeah, he's going to be one that's going to come in and out. But 
there hasn't seemed to be that pickup in traction of more people bringing him in, which I don't know if that's people having five Premier League assets already or, you know, happy in their forward line. But with less than 1% ownership and what we now seems to be as as sure a starter as you can be in Man City's kind of attacking whatever kind of four, five, six of them, depending on what game it is. I think Alvarez is one that stood out, obviously had some good returns and with less than 1% ownership is one that maybe the other side of this Serie A double, he's the similar kind of price to Martinez and Ossiman. Is he one that you could move to? Um, and the other player I picked up um, was more towards the Bundesliga was um, Javi Simons at Leipzig who is got about half the ownership of Danny Olmo obviously same teams same price and I mean Javi Simons returned 19 points this week it was a really really good game I think it was two assists and a goal um, yeah. or two go- two assists and a goal Um against Stuttgart and Olmo is, as I said, 12, I think he's 12% owned and Simons is at six and a half. So another one that people may be looking to try and be a bit differential could look at. And I think when we discussed it before week one, we weren't sure on how that attacking look was going to look for Leipzig was still Forsberg and Carvalho in the background. But I think Simons and Olmo have put their hands up now as the clear one-two um, behind the strikers. I think the strikers are still up for debate. And then the third person I wanted to mention, which I think we discussed, I'm not sure if it was on the podcast or before, was Robin Gosens that had gone across to yeah. Uni- Union Berlin. Um, the fact that He's four and a half, that at four and a half million, which actually makes him cheaper than I think it's three of the Union Berlin defenders to begin with, is one that I picked up and thought, yeah, that might get interesting quite quickly. And obviously, very attacking. There are three or a five that it's he's an inter wing back. He knows how to get high up the pitch. He's the precursor to DeMarco and um and uh, two goals this week will obviously grab the headlines, but I think looking at the positions he was picking up and I looked at his heat map very, very high on that side as well. And I think for me, he's the standout defender at that price. Now for me, four and a half. I know we got Gavardio there at City, but I think if you're looking for more attacking returns, your more explosive defenders I think he has to be right at the top of that list that I think people if they're looking to move some budget around play around with some of this money that you could drop a a more expensive defender down to him and have no problem so they were just the three kind of I think people we wouldn't have really talked about pre-game week one or they may have been in the background we weren't sure of the about them that have now put their hands up as being, I think, genuine assets in the game going forward. Yeah, I know some people who, um, I think, because I think it was ahead of game week two, obviously, when people were on overhaul. I know some people, he, he was switched over to to uh, Union Berlin quite close to the deadline. And I think some people did, I think it was a day or two before, and he did go in on the overhaul for some people, which I think mm. um, obviously looks great now. Um I think you know we've we've sort of he's obviously the standout one, uh, particularly because he's cheaper than um, 
Juranovic on the other side, who I think yeah. will do well as well. But um, Gosens, particularly because I think Juranovic on his side, I think there's also Tremel, um, who will probably get game time as well. Whereas I think Gosens is, is likely going there to play regularly, um, given yeah. that he turned down another move. Um, he's clearly sort of gone out to play regular football. So you have to assume that he's he's had obviously form can affect it but he's had some sort of assurances about sort of playing time which obviously when we're looking at players in this you know uh does sort of help um and does make him him interesting um and yeah Xavi Siemens I think it's you know him and Olmo but it's it's that whole thing like you say about the the difference and I think there will be times um in the future where people are looking at having both of them particularly at their prices as well um yeah, I went with almost straight away with my overhaul after watching him against Bayern in the um, Super Cup. And I think back back in week two, there was still, as I said, the, the performance this week for Simons, I think, has put him as the front runner with Olmo. But I think when I looked at that, I thought Olmo's still probably the safer one to go with there. And, you know, Olmo's done well in those weeks, but Simons has obviously showed is how explosive he can be this week. So. Yeah, I think at half the ownership. I, I think, it, as you said, that'll level out, that they'll both probably end up at similar levels that people will be looking to get, as you said, one or maybe both in. Yeah, I mean, uh, just just piggybacking off your off your point a little bit, I think there, there were, when you said this idea, I was sort of thinking about it, and I think that I came up with sort of three others as well. Um, one of them from Union Berlin. You mentioned him last week when we sort of tweeted all our ideas out. Barons up front. He scored again yeah. at the weekend. Um, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I he was completely off radar, and I did I didn't even know who he is. He just like I had um, to look him up. Captain Barons <laughs> is what we're saying from now on. Don't, yeah. don't worry about Harland. Save yeah. the what is it eight million difference yeah. in a Barons. I had to look him up, and he just looks like sort of this journeyman. I think he's like thirty one or something, and he yeah. just sort of like just turned up and started the season flying. Um. Another one at Dortmund has scored in both their games is Daniel Marlon. Uh, we obviously talked about you know other players from them. We talked about Royce and Brandt and Haller. Didn't talk as much about Marlon, and he's sort of popped up with a couple of goals early. And um, mm-hmm. another one of these cheaper forwards who I think you know could could come on radar for people, particularly as and when they're looking to sort of move funds around. You know whether that's to get into higher priced midfielders or you know with all these fullbacks and wingbacks we've talked about that are higher prices if you need to find a sacrifice somewhere, someone like him. Mm. Um, and the third one who, I mean, people knew about but didn't see playing much that I um, just wanted to mention was uh, Lamine Yamal at Barcelona. Uh, very mm. highly thought of. Um, I think he's only 16 and he's only recently turned 16. Um <sighs> He's he's played incredibly well. The two games since he come in after Rafinha got sent off um, against Hetafe, um, he's been incredible. Um, I think at the weekend he got a, a standing ovation from the Villarreal fans uh, for his performance. Yeah, the, the, I, I obviously I saw the performance this week and I and he he caught the eye because he's only five and a half million as a midfielder. It's just the case of, does he stay in with Rafinha? Because if he does a five and a half million started midfielder, 
you instantly look at that and think that's a great way to free up some cash. But yeah, I guess that's always going to loom over. Does Rafinha just go straight back in? Yeah, and I think that's the you know it's it's worth sort of highlighting him particularly because it's two weeks in a row that he's he's done quite well. But I do think yeah there is that question. Um, and where I know that they've sort of only played with with one sort of, you know real wide player and then another um, a midfielder on the other side, um, whether yeah. that continues or whether both Yamal and Rafinha play together mm. um, is another matter. But I think it's it's one to monitor just because obviously you know even when people were talking about Barcelona assets at the start, no one was really talking about him. And I think at that price, he has to be sort of you know. On, on radar now, I guess. That's right. Um, that leads me on to my, my third point somewhat, which is about, um, I just want to talk about the potential impacts of some of the transfers that have either happened recently or are about to happen, uh, because I think it's useful just to sort of, you know, have a look at some of these, uh, particularly as it will affect some players with decent ownership or that, that some people have at the moment. Um so obviously one of them that some people had was uh, Jeremy Doku, who's obviously gone to Man City. Um, I think obviously that could potentially uh, be an issue for people because he then goes into, you know, however much people want to say there is City rotation or, you know, certain guys get in and establish themselves more. I think in those attacking wide areas, there's a number of options where it's just like he is going to rotate in and out. Is it, you know, if he gets a run in the team, great. Like at that price, you know, incredible to have a City player at that price, but potentially worsens him as an asset at this point. Yeah. I think the I think obviously the rotation is an issue and also what we discussed earlier on a separate point is the talisman and picking up um the bonus is is he gonna pick up a bonus in a man city team where there's five six putting their hands up, whereas at Ren maybe there was one, two other that would be pick it that would be picking up bonus or in competition with him for the bonus. So yeah, I think that really diminishes that his his upside of yeah. being as high as many points as possible in one game. Yeah. Um, another one um, that I think does have a real impact on a player that a lot of people went with is Kieran Tierney's loan move to Real Sociedad. A lot of people started with um, Ian Munoz, um, who obviously naturally comes under threat now with Kieran Tierney coming in. Um, there has been a bunch of reporting about Kieran Tierney as, you know, liked the idea of going to Real Sociedad in terms of the the game time he was going to get, which would immediately concern me if I had if I had Munoz. Um, the trade-off there, as we know with Kieran Tierney, is about his ability to stay fit. Yeah. Um, so that's the trade-off, um, obviously. And so whether you, you know, how much you, you are concerned or look to sell with with Munoz is, okay. is sort of a calculation for you to make or whether you're happy just to, to bench him when Tierney comes into the team and wait it out or, um, you know, that sort of thing. But the, at least in the short term, while he's fit, the that would obviously be a concern for, for Munoz owners. That one seems sort of relatively straightforward in terms of the impact there. Um, if people want to go and get Kieran Tierney, by the way, he is 4.5 in the game. Um, uh, Jesper Lindstrom is another one. Um, I think his move to Napoli is about to go through. Um, in yeah. terms of the impact on players, uh, there's one in the immediate term in that it frees up Herving Lozano to move to PSV Eindhoven. 
Um, but I think the most likely thing with him is obvi- there's obviously going to be a little bit of rotation in the wide areas for them, particularly on the right hand sure. side. But I would imagine that he's going to get a lot of minutes on the on the right hand side. He can play as sort of an attacking mid or on the wing. But I do think you know they're probably looking at him to come in and play regularly. Um, so that potentially has an impact. Although I guess we talked about the potential rotation for Napoli in that other attacking spot anyway, so it doesn't necessarily change much as such. It just changes the person who's in it in that it's Lundstrom rather than um, rather than Lozano. No, definitely. Um, a couple more. We've got Benjamin Pavar, who's obviously moving from uh, Bayern Munich to Inter. I think that one's relatively straightforward in that you should be concerned if you are a Matteo Damian owner, although I would have questions for you if you are a Matteo Damian oh, owner. Yeah. yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> if, if you've got Damian since, since the start, I think I, I presume you clicked the wrong into defender beginning with a D, but it's just, yeah. Um, no, I like the Pavard signing. I think it's it's an astute one by, um, by Inter. I think he gives them a lot of experience that I think when they were looking at, obviously Bastoni still relatively new to it. And DeVry is probably the experienced head. I think that was a good medium in that defense. And I think he's, yeah, as I said, I think he brings some good experience from Bayern and some um, big game kind of knowledge and that kind of stuff that you can't really buy or put your finger on in games that I think they were missing, especially when you look at another Champions League final, but especially in some big games in Serie A last season, I think there's just a bit of big game knowledge, a bit of that kind of stuff that, yeah, I think that's a really good signing for Inter. Yeah, and I think they capitalised on apparently a big part of his issue at Bayern was he wants to play centre back. He's this whole time he's been sort of a centre back playing at right back. Right. And so because yeah. they have the back three system, it's also easier to to get him in there as well. Um, so I yeah, think no, they, they've been sense. quite smart with that. Um, another yeah. one that's that's well, apparently going to go through at some point is uh, Joao Cancelo to Barcelona. Um. There's been talk about how that move is going to be formulated, but it seems like it's going to happen now um, using at least some of the Usman Dembele money. Um, it seems like uh. in true Barca fashion, it's going to be a loan with an option, kick the financial can down the road another mm. year. Uh, Pull another lever and, uh, yeah. you know, sell some more shirts or something. And yeah, everything else that goes along with Barcelona and transfers. Yeah, well, obviously um, they've been keen to add a right back. Um, so he slots in there quite sort of logically. Um, what that means in terms of the centre backs is interesting. Obviously, uh, Araujo is injured at the moment, um, and he could miss a little period of time, which makes things relatively straightforward in the short term because mm. it'll just be Cancelo at right back. Um, first choice will probably be Kunde and Christensen at centre back, and then obviously Balde at left back. I think he does help them. Um, in terms of his ability, both whether they need him to step into midfield or to further up the pitch, he's shown an ability with both. So I think um, obviously his his he sort of burned his bridges at Man City, um, and I don't think they were particularly sad to see him go at Bayern either. So whether this is sort of the 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 sort of kick up the arse for him of like you know 
you need to sort your attitude out or whether it's going to become another issue remains to be seen. But obviously, yeah. it's a quality player going into that team. Yeah, it's one that once that goes through and we see how that settles, I think he goes right to the top of the list of of wants with, as you said, the, the ability to go further forward. I think the bonus points will probably naturally come quite quickly, that it's only going to take a clean sheet or an attacking returner, assisting a goal, and he's going to be right at the top for bonus points, and you're going to you're looking at those those bigger 15 to 20 mark hauls compared to maybe a 10 or so with him. And yeah, I think if they get that right at Barcelona, he becomes a real weapon for them on that side. Yeah. Um, so I think I've got sort of three more to talk about. So we've got Matteo Ginduzzi. Um I'm just going to mention him because he is in the game and he's moving uh, from Marseille to Lazio. Mm. Um I think there's there's been some thought that it potentially um, aids the other midfield players, particularly someone like um, Luis Alberto. Um, but how that plays out, I'm not sure because I'm not convinced that I'm not convinced that Genduzi has the positional discipline to play the sort of the six in that system. So whether no. it means it more likely means that possibly a slight shift in system would be interesting, or mm. um, maybe a slight shift in roles um, for, for one of the two that's been playing in midfield in terms of Alberto and Kamada. Um, but those, I think those are the players it's more likely to have some sort of impact on. It's just Definitely. watching what sort of impact that is um, because it might be good for one of them and bad for the other. Um, it's it's just one that I, I think is potentially interesting because like I say it's not necessarily I certainly wouldn't be advocating going and buying Matteo Ganduzzi it's more that it could create a better situation potentially for either Luis Alberto or Daichi Kamada that uh, that interests me there um a couple that have been rumored uh in the last sort of day or two as well just to cover so Mehdi Taremi for a striker at Porto has been linked with uh, AC Milan I think it's interesting because I don't think I think they're looking to have another striker option, which is surprising given that they brought in Okafor, who at least theoretically would play through the middle. Yeah, um, the the Taremi one doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I was surprised that that's who AC Milan were looking for. I thought if it was going to be anyone, I think it was going to be someone that could play across the front yeah. three and even drop into an attacking midfielder spot as well in the three, three behind Tremi as an out-and-out striker. The only thing that I, I'm putting two and two together and thinking Giroud's leaving, but I don't see where... That I feel like it's got to be one in, one out for it to be Taremi for me. Yeah, the only other thing I could think is maybe it means that they want to use Okafor as, you know, sort of more of a wide attacker or in behind. Um, but mm. Yeah, it's a little bit of a strange one, but it did set off a slight alarm about Giroud, the same as you. So um, that's something to watch, obviously, the, the, de the transfer deadline is this week, so that'll become clearer. But if he does come in, um, it's a bit of a strange one, and I'm I'm slightly concerned about the impact it has. But uh, I guess that that's something to be monitored. And the other one that I just wanted to, to sort of cover briefly, and um, that's that's come up today, I guess, is uh, Mark Kukurea to um, potentially to Manchester United. 
Um, obviously, with with Luke Shaw potentially set to miss, miss a period of time, they do need a, a some cover at left back. Um, I'm not sure how good he'll be, but it does also almost create a a little bit of concern in me in part about how injured Luke Shaw is. Yeah. Um, and then I think if he's out for a while, depending on price, Kukurea could potentially be of some interest. Um, but it's just one, I think, to keep an eye on, particularly in terms of, um, like I say, for me, it just flagged up. If anyone has Luke Shaw in this format, what it potentially means about the severity of his injury. No, definitely. I, I think um, I think we'll come on to it when we discuss the questions, but I think Man United have got a nice run of games, kind of uh, three or four game weeks ahead moving forward then from there. So depending on, obviously, as you said, if Shaw looks like it's going to be longer and it is going to be Cucurella in that position, for those fixtures, maybe he becomes an asset. But as you said, I don't know how much I trust him even go, going both ways. I feel like he was very, very good at Brighton and we haven't seen the same kind of player at Chelsea. And it's if Man United can get that player out of him again. But history would tell me that it's probably just another big club and he probably underwhelms there as well. So, yeah, it's one to keep an eye on. But... um yeah, I don't think he'll be of interest for me. Yeah, um, it would certainly be a watch and wait for me. And then obviously if he does sort of fit right in, then then it becomes interesting. But I certainly wouldn't be gambling early on it. Um, but yeah, no, I just thought that was, that was sort of worthwhile. Just obviously we'll, we'll, there will be more that happens between now and the deadline. But just to sort of cover definitely. a little bit on the potential impact of those players. Um, so we've got the questions now and we've got, five of them so uh, we should be able to 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 zip through these to some degree at least um i'm asking them in no particular order they're just the order that's on my phone um so the first one i've got here is from ff joel so with the double coming up naturally our transfers will be geared towards that is there anyone you think should be prioritized for buying even though they don't have a double um i don't know if you've got anyone that you think falls into this category well, as I said, I think the Man United assets, um, if I just I, I looked at this earlier, I think from um, week six to week 12, you've got the three newly promoted teams, Palace and Fulham. So um, the one for me was Rasmus Hoyland. Obviously, he's still injured, unsure, but maybe I, I know he's been named in the Denmark squad today so it would say to me that the injury is probably at the end of where it is and he's now building some fitness to be matched a couple more weeks at eight million as a forward with those fixtures could be interesting the other one um was newcastle which from week six is a run of sheffield united burnley west ham and crystal palace and then wolves so um i think all the assets are fairly kind of mid-priced well-priced that when we're talking about getting as many of these premium assets in as possible someone like botman i think put his hand up and isaac as well i think that those those are the two teams that i picked out as non-doublers moving forward with kind of the best fixture runs that 
won't be what people are looking at. I think, if anything, people will have sold those to get into the doublers. So coming back out, if you can move to them quickly, they become a differential until, you know, you know, a couple of weeks till it, people start to drip feed these players back in. Yeah. Uh, the other the other idea I had I did I did sort of note those the other sort of idea which we've talked about earlier and is kind of obvious but people might be looking away from them towards the double is um, you know these these sort of top end sort of players so particularly Bayern the Bayern Munich players it, you know I think some people will look to potentially even briefly sell them and go back you could just hold them through I mean you look at the the returns that the likes of Kane and Davies are getting in these games. Your double, your doublers might not even match what they could do in a single week. So I think it's their one um, that that you could just look to go to and hold through if you don't have Kane and you want to go to Kane. There's just Definitely. as good a chance that Kane does in one game what the doublers do in two. So I think, and then along those lines, uh, Mbappe as well. Um, so it's kind of obvious, yeah. but just these that actually you could look to move to these players. And mm. instead of a doubler where people are looking to get doublers and you can actually capitalize and there's a decent chance that even in in week six um they could they could do something for you like so i think mbappe's game in game week six being slightly more difficult means that he might be less of an idea particularly going against but even those other weeks you know it's nice either side and whatever um i just realized it's really ironic that i said that given that they play nice in game week five um but I think it's uh, it's one it's it, you know they're obvious ones for a reason that people won't necessarily look to go to as they're moving towards a double that you can actually bring in and potentially gain against people. Definitely. Um, FPL Calypso is also as I goes. First of all, these pods are super for Super League are my favourite pods of the week anywhere. I mean, we're, I'm always happy to to get comments mm. like that. <laughs> Best combo between Holland and Royce. Or Bellingham and Lautaro. Cheers. Um, I think I know what you're going to say, James. But which one of those do you think is better? Bellingham and Lautaro for me, definitely. Yeah. I don't think there's much of a question there. Marco Royce might not be fit by the time this podcast goes out. So um, I yeah, I wouldn't. The at the weekend as well. So. Was he? There you go. So yeah, and Erling Haaland. Ellen Holland's useless. He only scores one against <laughs> Sheffield United. I wouldn't even own him. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Can't even take a penalty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, God, imagine. <laughs> not not Aussie men. Yeah. At least Aussie men could take penalties. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think it's I think it's the the Bellingham and Lautaro side there. Uh, Matt uh, Matt Thompson has asked us, "What are your current boost strategies?" Um, I guess it's you know, well, you've got one less. So um, have, yeah. you, have you had any sort of particular thoughts about what you're doing with them? Um, going forward, it's definitely, it's definitely Trekletista in six with the Syria players, and um, I'm really kind of fluid. I'm gonna just leave the one. I, th- I think if nothing else springs out, I think triple triple in week eleven. There's a lot of good fixtures there that I'll probably just leave it right to the end. And if nothing's grabbed me before then, then I'm quite happy just to play a triple-triple on three players that have got favourable fixtures, even if they're singles, and just take the points and uh, move on, especially if it is week 11 right at the end of that boost window. It might even be that 
it does well for me because everyone's used their boosts and it's you know it gives me a leg up on where I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So obviously, as I said at the start, I've got all three in hand. Um, loose plan for me is looking ahead, um, sort of a bit later after the double to play Budget Buster. Uh, the double in six, I'll either play Triple Triple or Trequartista, depending on which which one I sort of feel like playing at that point. Um, and then the Budget Buster, it will depend for me whether I think I have to overhaul into it or whether I just try and right. make moves towards it and save the save the the overhaul and then you know i'd whether it's if i if i use the trequartista in six then i'll be the same of just you know using triple triple one week if i use the triple triple i'll probably just then use a league boost one of the weeks um where the teams sort of line up for a nice fixture a nice Mm -hmm. set of fixtures um but it just sort of depends really for me whether whether i have to use that overhaul to get into it or uh or whether i can sort of you know navigate my way to it um but yeah it's 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 a little i have a rough sort of guideline for it but it is sort of quite i don't want to to tie myself too rigidly to a plan and then sort of have to completely adjust it so um and you know going with the flow seems to be working at the moment so yeah i never thought about using the buster buster because from six to obviously 12 i've got six weeks there where i could start to put play pieces in place maybe for the budget buster so that is another option that i've i've given no thought to at the moment but i i don't think it would i think there's i think we've discussed some assets already tonight and i've already got some in place that i've already got probably three or four that i'd be happy to play there so it's not going to take a huge amount of work in six weeks or five weeks of transfers to get to even if it's nine players maybe for budget buster i think i don't know what you would consider a reasonable number to get at to use that would you be looking for eight nine of your starting 11 still to be as part of it yeah i think obviously in an ideal world you get to 11 i think if i got to sort of nine ones that i was happy with and then two others i'd i'd still play it but Mm. um you know that the aim would be 11 but it's you know i know that's particularly if i don't overhaul if i overhaul it obviously it'll be into it it will obviously be 11 if i don't it's sort of like you know am i really gonna sort of you know just go completely against it because i've only got eight or nine no i'll still play it Uh, yeah so i think i think that's the the sort of calculation for me as well um fantasy zones what should doku owners be looking to do um i know we covered him briefly before but uh for anyone who has has doku already what do you think they should should be doing I think it's a, a sell for me personally. Um, I mean, he's he's now at five point seven, so you can get to the five and a half million mids. Most people will probably be able to get to the six million mids. So we've already talked about Olmo Simmons at five and a half. I'm not sure quite what the options are there, but or you could take it all the way down and really put some money in the bank. I mean. At, Five and a half. I'm just looking at the scorers, I guess. Zaire Emery at PSG put his hand up this week with a good performance. Except for that, I think it's fairly limited down there. But as we said, at six, oh, Simons, Gordon, Olmo, 
I mean, there's Rodri at 5.7. You could just move it sideways and do that. Yeah, I, I, for me, Doku's one that I'd be looking to move on. I guess it depends on what you're looking to do with your, with your boost, you know, with the... Oh, is there a midfielder in the Serie A that you can get to quite easily that you then want to use in week six for the double? There's got, I'm sure there's some good options there that you could look at. So yeah, it would be a, a move for me. Yeah, I think so. I think there's, particularly if you have anything in the bank and can get to those around six, it just feels sort of obvious when you've got some great options there versus someone who, you know, is I think primarily going to be a backup initially in Doku and then will be a rotation yeah. risk at any moment anyway. Um Definitely. so yeah, I'd I'd move it as well. Um and FF Deacon has a last question, um, which is which five Serie A players would you look to have going into game week six? Um, well I want eleven, but I know that's <laughs> not allowed, so yeah. Um I kind of uh, well, good looking back at week two, um, I had I had five. I went straight in with five, and then obviously Kravatshilia being injured has dropped me down to um, to four to allow me that space for one more. But yeah, I think there's ten, eleven that I'd be happy with going into that that week of game week six. That I don't think you're going to go far wrong on. So I think it's just choosing where it best suits to put them in, where your budget allows you to, what formation-wise is best. I think there's options in all four positions. So, um, yeah, I think we discussed the defenders quite a lot. I'd be looking at uh, the interwing backs, Theo Hernandez and Di Lorenzo would be the ones that put their hands up for me. Goalkeepers, I think you're. I'd be happy with any of the goalkeepers. Personally, at the moment, I'm with Providell, but I think Mignan would probably be the other one for me as um, the one to go with. Midfield, Kravatshilia obviously now seems to have come off whatever this injury was and came on is one. And um, I think Barella at Inter, uh, Liao at AC is the other one that's in my mind because I haven't got him. And then up front, Ossiman, Martinez. I could probably make a case for a Mobley if you were looking to save a little bit of money and go there. I think, yeah, I think there I've named, what, 10, 11, <laughs> 12 players. I think take your pick out of... I, I, would, I think it's the ones we expected to do well, so I would just look at the ones that have scored well these last couple of weeks and use that as your metric going forward. I think there's... I don't think you'll go far wrong with the players that have done well the last couple of weeks in the Serie A. No, I mean, I've got I've got four at the moment. So I've got Teo Hernandez. Um, I'm, I'm now going to forget who I've got. Uh, Leal. Leal, Victor Ozimen and Marcus Turam. Now, I think in an yeah. ideal world, I wouldn't have Marcus Turam, although he did get me a return this week um, in terms of some of the other options. Um, I think I'd want to have at least two of those uh, four defenders um, this week. I think that that feels pretty clear to me in terms of whether it's DeMarco, Dumfries, Hernandez or Di Lorenzo. I'd probably want at least two of them um, in an ideal world. Um, you've got sort of Kvaratskhelia, if he's going to start by the time we get to six, which I would assume he would, is going to yeah. be back as an option for people. You've got Leao and Pulisic 
um, as potential. Yeah, Pulisic has done done well as well. Yeah, um, I think it. I think it's hard. I think I. I actually feel like the that midfield is the priority. Is that I'd be looking at two. I'd be looking to ideally have Liao and Kravashilia in there, and if that means going with one less defender, that does yeah. the the idea. In in mind for me, starting to form now is I, Providell I bought in for six, but I don't like the fixtures this week. So do I move Providell now, and then that fill frees up a Syria slot. So then that would leave me with Fia Hernandez, Lataro, and Osimhen to then maybe put Liao and Kravatschilla in that midfield, and then have that as a. Hernandez may as well be an attacker the way he gets forward is it's almost five Serie A attackers for that for that week so um, yeah Providell might be one that I now move on even though the intention was to have him there because I I feel like Lazio's might be the best two out of the one I mean two home games they're notoriously very good defensively at home that it could be two clean sheets quite clear quite easily for them so yeah I think there's lots of options to go with yeah and I think that's that's the key is like you I think it's important to narrow it down and it does become personal preference like I'm talking about sort of wanting more of the defenders you're talking about wanting more of the midfielders is important for people to just accept you know you're gonna have to go without really good options you know I mean, even, yeah. even with the strikers you know you've got Giroud who's doing well at the moment you've got Ozymen you've got Lautaro like I said Marcus Turam got a return Immobile you know there's there's all these options throughout and there's going to be one you miss that's going to hurt yeah. you in that way definitely if not two if not three I think it's I think that week could be an absolute car crash in terms of some of the some of the score lines you see in in Syria and especially and it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if in that week you also see some rotation we weren't yeah. expecting so more for me I'm looking at like I I don't see like play I feel like Osman is safer than a Giroud yeah. Osman is probably safer than uh, I don't know maybe Lautaro gets a rest but I can't really see it Fia Hernandez is notorious for not being able to keep fit so that worries me a little bit and then you know Kravatschili is coming off this whatever this injury was we're not sure Liao there's a lot of ro- there's a lot of players in the background at AC Milan that does he play one not play the other so I think it's also worth trying to look at where you think the most safe asset is as well so I think as I said I think a goalkeeper would definitely a goalkeeper for me and then choose from the four but yeah I think for me it would be something like a goalkeeper a defender and two attackers uh, two mids and an attacker maybe it would kind of be the way I'd be looking to set it up yeah I mean I think particularly for for those people who are for example on already on say Di Lorenzo and Ozymen I think you're in a great position in terms of players Mm. that are going to play two games um, yeah. In terms of what you're saying, I think those are the two that jump out to me as like something would have to go wrong for them to not start both yes, games. Definitely. Um, yeah. So I think that's that's something that maybe people want to consider um, with that. But, you know, it's also likely a lot of these players that are rotated will come on, particularly the attackers in terms of, you know, 
a start and a substitute appearance as well. So it's not necessarily sort of the end of the world there either. Um, uh -huh. That's all the questions. Um, and that's sort of all, all we've got to cover uh, this week. Hopefully this sort of helps you. Um, thank you, James, for, for joining me uh, this week. Um, I think we'll have something next week. I've sort of lost track of uh, what is happening and when and in in which sort of, you know, format of the game and all this. Uh, <laughs> there, there will be something. Um, and then I think it's the international break. Um, so uh, that will, you know, that all of a sudden, everyone will have sort of been, you know, playing all these different formats and in the thick of it and then all of a sudden it's like what do you do for two weeks <laughs> so... you just you just click players in and out and just go yeah i might want him for game week six might want him might want yeah, yeah just that'll be me um but yeah so that's everything uh for this week like i say um there'll be some sort of clarity uh provided on twitter in terms of uh what we will be doing and when um, but apart from that, all that is left for me to say is thank you for listening and goodbye.